Hey, what is up? Hello, and welcome in to another edition of Downey and Martez, a Bucks Nation podcast, right here on SB Nation. And Len, training camp is closer and closer. It is here practically. And today's show is going to be all about previewing Tampa Bay Buccaneers training camp and all of the storylines that we are going to be watching over the next few weeks. I am Trey Downey, the Downey half of this dynamic duo. You can follow me on Twitter at TD Experience. As I said, this is a Bucks Nation podcast. You can follow Bucks Nation on Twitter at Bucks underscore Nation. Every, all the writers over there are going to be churning out great training camp content for you throughout all of camp and check out BucksNation.com as well. And he is my co-host. I already mentioned his name. He is the one, the only, Len Martez. You can follow him on Twitter, at Elmar810. Len, what's up, man? You ready for camp? I think last night was 50 days away from uh, Bills and Bills and Rams on opening night. It's getting closer and closer. Yeah, less than a week away from the start of camp. Starts on the 27th. And... Uh... Whether you're ready or not, it's here. And uh, <laughs> one of the biggest questions is, will the starting running back be ready for camp? That being one who has my, my namesake, uh, Leonard Fournette. Although he's Leonard, I'm not Leonard, but I am Lenny. And uh, we're going to find out if Lenny is in uh, training camp shape. He says he is. He also said, <laughs> don't, I mean, I'm paraphrasing, don't say it on social media if you won't say it to my face. Uh, I'm wondering how many folks are going to be at camp saying it to his face. Probably not many. Is there going to be a hefty Lenny chant from the, from the crowd of, of fans at the Advent Health Training Center? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to buy, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to buy, and I'm going to put money on, if I had money to, to place, I'd bet that he's, he's coming into camp in shape. If he doesn't, if he's not in shape, that's an insult to to that football team. But well, let's get let's get into there. that first. We're not there yet. Let's let's get into that first. I was going I was going to start with tight end because there's a ton to talk about in terms of tight end going into training camp. But I do think that on the first day of training camp, when these vets report, I think one of the first things when you're looking out there on on Twitter, whether that be Greg Almond's Twitter, whether that be Rick Stroud, whether that be Jenna Lane, whether that be Bucks Nation. People are going to be looking for photos of Leonard Fournette and where he, you know, what he looked like at mandatory minicamp this year. After getting the deal that he got this offseason from the Bucks, he cannot come into training camp looking the same way. The Bucks let Ronald Jones walk. This is, uh, this is Leonard Fournette's team in terms of the starting running back position. That is, that is his position. And knowing Tom Brady, he better come in ready to go and I mean he says he's he says he's ready Lynn I mean obviously that report uh came out from Rick Stroud saying that the Bucks were not happy with the weight that he uh came in at I think close to 270 pounds uh earlier this year I mean to you is that one of the is that the biggest storyline going into camp I know we're going to get into a couple others later but I mean that's that's definitely one, especially with the Florida heat that we deal with, you better come into this camp uh, in shape. Yeah, let's backtrack. For one, 
it's more reported 260, not 270. And those 10 pounds, okay. and those 10 pounds make a difference. Because if he because if he came in at 250, again, it makes a difference. You know, it, you could see it. It's a visible overweight. That being said, I don't even think that's the biggest storyline. The biggest storyline going into the season, as far as I'm concerned, when it comes to the camp's concern, is the guy protecting number 12, and that being the offensive line because three-fifths of it's going to be different than it was last year. Mm-hmm. And because of that, that's the mo- to me, that's the most important thing. I'm not telling you that it's going to be an issue. I'm telling you it has to be planned out and, and basically figured out in regards to who's going to be playing the guard positions on this football team. That's all. Not, not saying that they don't have capable players to play it. I'm just telling you in my eyes, that's the most important thing. That is the most important thing because when you think about Fournette, it, Again, just my opinion. You're talking about a veteran, a guy who had nearly 250 touches last year. He wasn't he wasn't the the bell cow back that he probably will be more of this year because there is no Ronald Jones mm-hmm. and because this team has to figure out who that number two running back is going to be. That's why I say it's an in, it really is an insult beyond the contract that he got this offseason that he came in that he would come into training camp not mini camp training camp but out of shape meaning wednesday next week if he's not in shape that's an insult to the contract he got and to the fact that the responsibility is upon him to be that number one back without this team knowing who that number two is right now now they may know inside that building but frankly we don't know we don't know Media no, doesn't know. You. Media doesn't know. Bucks Nation, Bucks fans do not know who that number two is up yet. You can guess, you can banter a guess, but you don't know that yet because we got camp to go through. And the guy that you think uh, is going to step up and be that number two back in Keyshawn Vaughn, I think he's got a lot to prove. So that's definitely going to be a, a, a storyline worth following in terms of a position battle, in terms of depth there. You mentioned the offensive line. I agree with you that that's the number one storyline uh, going into camp. But I do want to get into into the somewhat breaking news. Uh, last week we talked about the Bucks' interest in Kyle Rudolph. Now he is a Buccaneer. He signs a one-year deal with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. He will be number eight. And you know how Twitter is. You know how social media is. They're putting out these you know huge. I guess almost like slideshows. Oh, look at all the Bucks weapons, and Kyle Rudolph is now included in that. Listen, you and I both agreed when we talked about this that this was worth kicking the tires on. That this was, you know, definitely worth doing, especially for the low price, the low risk, possibly high reward type thing. But that's almost a little disrespectful to to Cam Brate that you're putting out that these uh these kind of pieces are going out there and then also uh it was reported that uh Kate Otten the rookie tight end who's coming off of an injury is cleared to go he's going to be a full go for training camp which I think might even be a bigger deal going into training camp than the fact that uh Rudolph is officially signed I think that Brait is still going to be the number one tight end on this team, but I think a guy like Otten is a guy that's going to push uh, Rudolph for playing time in his rookie year. Yeah, well, <laughs> I laugh because when you think of Kyle Rudolph, at least since 
the last two or three years. He hasn't been a big weapon wherever he's been. And now people are expecting him, whether it be on social media or whatever it is in regards to coming to the Bucks and being a big weapon when you have Mike Evans, when you do have a healthy Chris Godwin, and granted he has been clear for practice, and I get it, and he may be end up on a pup list. I get that too, which means if he ends up on a pup list, he's going to miss at least six games. I get that. But they went out and signed Russell Gage. You've got all these different wide receivers on his team from Grayson to Miller to Johnson. Johnson. Yeah, I mean, you got different guys. And I'm not saying, I'm not telling you those guys are, are you know, top three, one, top three wide receivers on football teams. But as long as Godwin is out, they're going to be used that way. We watched Grayson last year have big games. He gives Tom Brady credit in regards to making that transition to a guy that you looked at that might have saw like a couple of targets a game to being a guy that was a focal part of the offense in certain games because of because of matchups. You know, a certain wide receiver goes sideways in the middle of a game in, 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 in Jersey, MetLife Stadium, he goes sideways and all of a sudden it makes opportunities for other wide receivers. And some guys have jumped on it. My point is Kyle Rudolph comes to this football team and when I think of the weapons, he one of the first three guys I think of. He's not even in the top five guys I think of. He's not even the first tight end I think of, okay? I think of Cam Brake before I think of him. And Cam Brake's got to take a backseat to the wide receivers that are going to get the football before he gets the football. Not only that, Kyle Rudolph, people pointing out the, the fact that he was on a bad football team last year and he put up the numbers he put up, or lack of numbers he put up with the Giants. Here's the thing, folks. He put up those same numbers in 2020. Okay, here's a guy that's gotten that's gotten less than 30 catches the last two years. That ain't the Giants' fault. And so that's not the Minnesota Vikings' fault. That's just the focus of what type of player he is. Don't act like this guy is Travis Kelsey or George Kittle or or Darren Waller. He's not that type of tight end. He's not that guy. Matter of fact, the last time he's been anything close to those type of numbers was six, seven years ago in 2016, where he had like 84 catches. Mm -hmm. That dude's not walking through the door. And you know what? The Bucks don't need that dude. <laughs> they don't. And I don't think they think they're getting that dude either. Again, they don't need that dude. That's not what this offense is about. It's not going to, it's not necessary for him to be that guy. They need a reliable guy that can, if they go to tight end, that they can use to tight end. And he's an option in regards to that's concerned, whether it be as a blocker or a pass catcher. But even in that type of situation in the game plan, he is going to be option number four, <laughs> if not five, after the check down to the running back, <laughs> who is <laughs> Mr. Number Seven, who came in the training camp or mini camp, I'll say, let me rephrase that, mini camp, at 260 pounds, all right? So let's pump the brakes when it comes to Kai Rudolph. I like the signing. I talked about it last week. We talked about it. Kick mm -hmm. the tires. Find out what he's got. But the option on this team is that, again, he is at best the fourth or fifth option in any, in any play in the game plan. You're not going to be drawing up plays for Brady to specifically go to Rudolph. It's just not, not a guy that's had 30 less than 30 catches the last two years. No, 
Yeah. So let's talk about what we both have mentioned as that we think is the number one storyline going into this training camp. When you go into training camp, you always look at position battles. Last year, there weren't too many to look at in terms of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They returned all 22 starters from their Super Bowl championship team. I think you could have debated, and we did debate last year, on who would be the number one running back between Ronald Jones and Leonard Fournette. That was a storyline last year in camp. But truly, this year, as you mentioned, three of the five starting positions on the offensive line will be different. With the retirement of Ali Marpet, uh, with the, uh, or two of the five. Two of the five. Two of the five, not three of the five. The starting guard positions with the retirement of Ali Marpet and with Alex Kappa signing with the Cincinnati Bengals. Now, the Bucks make that trade for Shaq Mason. I think Shaq Mason is definitely going to slot in at one of the starting guard positions. But I think that other starting guard position, we don't know yet where the Bucks are going to line these guys up in terms of left and left and right guard yet. But one of the starting guard positions, I think there are three players that could potentially end up as the starter there. I think you can look at Robert Hainsey, who is coming into his second year with the team, a guy who from Notre Dame who can play center or guard. Luke Gadecki, who they just drafted uh, this past season. And then a guy who got a lot of playing time in that playoff run when they won the Super Bowl when Alex Kappa was hurt, Aaron Stinney. Don't count him out in terms of that other starting guard position. I think that that is going to be a big storyline worth watching because last year, in, in terms of talking about who was going to be a starter, we just didn't have it. That is a big question mark because I could see scenarios in which any of those three guys is starting in front of Tom Brady uh, come opening, opening night Sunday night football this year. Yeah, I, I think we could pencil in Shaq Mason to being the right guard. Okay. And moving forward, it's about the left guard position, the guy that's going to play next to Donovan Smith, who loses his buddy and Ali Marpet, who retired. And with that, you mentioned the guys that are going to compete for that position. Stinney's a guy that you mentioned, you know, 2020 had that uh, playoff run when this team went on the 10 game winning streak, including the regular season, and won the Super Bowl. Stinney had extensive playing time in that so he's he's proven he's more proven than than any of the other guys that you can mention okay that's not to say robert haines hasn't played because he has luca decky is a rookie so there's that but if i were to bet money in regards to who's going to be starting that sunday night game against dallas in dallas and jerry's world i would bet on stinny because of the, the extensive playing time he's already had and the fact that the confidence that he probably has Along our offensive line and with the quarterback and, and with the, the coaching staff in itself. Remember, the coaching staff for the most part is the same. It's been the same. Yeah, we lose, you know, the Bucks lose Bruce, obviously. But when it comes to the, the, uh, the offensive staff, it's pretty much the same. And because of that, they know, they know Stinney. They know, they know what he was able to do being plugged in. And that's huge, dude. You got to think in terms of, you know, when it comes to, the pressure of being of being ready and being plugged in to a team that was making a Super Bowl run and is being asked to do what? Be a five guys, one of five to protect you know who. That's huge, and that should not be that should not be slept on. That's the reason why I put him as a favorite to be the starting right guard when uh, when the Bucks go to Dallas opening opening Sunday night game this year. I think I I lean a little bit towards Gadecki 
And I think that there is a precedent for this. This Bucks front office and Bucks staff has a history of starting rookie offensive linemen and it paying off. Out of necessity, though. There's a difference. Yes, yes and no. I mean, Gadecki's not worse, who was a top pick. So I will will give you that. Uh, But talking about guys like Marpet and Kappa, who were drafted around the same time, I think even maybe a little bit before where Gadecki was drafted. So I think that there is a precedent for that, and I think that he could come in and start for this team opening day. Now, if Hainsey is the best guy, I think Hainsey will get that position, but I also do think they like the the versatility of Hainsey as being able to slot him as a backup guard or center should any of that should any guys on this offensive line go down. But I think that I do agree with you that Stenny has some trust with Tom Brady because of that playoff run and that Gadecki, more more even so than Hainsey, is going to have to earn that trust. And in talking about the preseason, these guys are going to get a lot of playing time in the, in the preseason. It's not going to be a situation where, you know, probably Donovan Smith and Tristan Wirfs, they might just play, you know, a series or two, which they honestly might play a little bit more just to get comfortable with the guy who's standing next to them. Because both of the, it's not like one side of the offensive line is intact from last year. It, we're talking about two completely different sides of the offensive line. Uh, so they might get a little bit more playing time and they might get playing time with multiple guys to you know test that chemistry and that type of deal. Um, but definitely, that is going to be probably the number one thing that I'm watching all of training camp. Uh, and I'm going to be interested to see when they suit up the the first day of camp who that starting offensive line is. Uh, that's going to be very telling to me is who the Bucks have going into camp as the starting offensive line. Now, you mentioned in talking about weapons and how the tight end is not the number one weapon on this team, not even close to it because of what they have at wide receiver. And you mentioned Chris Godwin's injury and that we don't know yet. He's not cleared to practice yet. We don't know exactly when he is going to be back. And you mentioned all of those depth guys. And the signing of Russell Gage, which I've talked about, I think is one of the more underrated signings uh, in all of this NFL offseason. Lynn, do you think that if Godwin were healthy, does Gage, would Gage be coming into this camp automatically slotted in as the number three receiver? Is he already the two receiver? Or is there some type of battle there with a Scotty Miller, with a Cyril Grayson, who developed chemistry with Brady late last year, or with a Tyler Johnson, who I think out of all of those guys, I think Tyler Johnson might have the most to prove uh, in this training camp. No, I think Gage is Prince doing that as, as the number two as long as Godwin's not there. And he's the number three when Godwin is cleared for, for practice, whenever he is cleared. And, and again, unfortunately, he could end up missing the first six games of the season. We'll see. But as far as Gage is concerned, because of his experience, because of uh, his ability to to play different places on the offense, he's a guy that you could you could plug in as the number two guy and, and you can roll. Now, here's the thing when it comes to the Bucks, and it seems like it's been this way ever since I've been around him since 2016. When it comes to wide receivers, and it could be because of 
<laughs> like you already like know that since I've been here, like 13, it's like check. You got your number one, right? It's this check. And everybody else falls behind that. And then a couple of years, years later, you get a guy like Chris Godwin. It's like, okay, you got one, you got two. Boom, check, check, that's it. You got those two guys. And you move forward on the depth chart and you, you figure out who's going to play the, the, you know, the number third, three, three wide receiver, a guy that's going to play a lot of snaps, obviously, a, percent, a large percentage of snaps. But my point in saying all that is the fact that since I've been here, since I've been around the Bucks since 2016, this team all of a sudden, like it goes to when it comes to the wide receivers in camp, there's five or six guys. And then there's like guys where you're thinking like, could this guy break the top six? Could this guy break it? It's always been that way since I've been here. It's, there's always been questions in regards to putting people out on the street that are talented. And it's probably going to be that way again this year. You think about it, right? Even without Godwin, behind 13, <laughs> the beast himself, you've got Gage. That's, that's, a, that's one. You got Grayson. That's two. Scotty Miller, that's three. Rashard Perriman, that's four. Tyler Johnson, that's five. Jalen Darden, that's six. That's six guys, dude, right? That's six guys without talking about the two starters. You can only, call, you can only carry so many wide receivers, and I get it, because Darden's going to be competing to, to be the return guy. Every single year that you that you and I have covered training it's camp, been that way. the depth wide receiver position, we've talked about it every year. And every year, I pick a guy to, to make it, and he doesn't make it. <laughs> he doesn't make it. Bernard so, Reedy. Bobo Wilson. I can, we can go yeah. on and on, dude. It's, it's always been that way. You know, it's always been that way when it goes to, to the wide receivers because you, you think somebody's going to sneak in there in the top six. Like I said, I mentioned all those guys right there. And I, like I said, you know, Darden will probably sneak in and, and make his way onto this team because of being a special teams guy. But those are six guys right there w- without including the guy that's, the, you know, the, arguably the, the number two wide receiver on the team in, in Chris Godwin. So, and then I'm going to go out to camp next week next, and I'm going to see guys that I'm going to be looking on the roster and like, okay, who's this guy making plugs? Yeah, it's going to be like that. It's going to be like that, right? Like, uh, you know, a couple years ago, it's oh, it, we can bring up names on and on and on. So, I mean, and then Grayson when it comes, ends up being one of those guys, and then ends up become goes to the practice squad, leaves the team even, and then makes huge plays. So you never know. Well, but see, here's the thing too: when it comes to being one of those guys in regards to ending up on a practice squad. A lot of these guys end up playing when it went. I mean, I can only speak of my experience covering teams, whether it be here in Carolina with the Panthers and, and covering the Miami Dolphins. I've seen enough guys in those places to where they're put on a practice squad and they end up pl- getting valuable time in the NFL. That certainly has been the case here when it comes to the Bucs. Whether it's, whether it's McElroy, the tight end, okay? Whether it's Oh man, his name uh, Patrick. God dang it! Anyway, um, it's those type of guys that end up playing, being on the practice squad, busting their butt, and end up playing. And Grayson's one of those guys. 
Now I'm going to actually have to go look and find out that guy I can't think of right now because you can't bail me out. Yeah, I'm just trying to, and I'm in this. I'm in the same place that you are. And as people are listening to this podcast, yelling that dude's name. His first name is Patrick, and, and the fact that I can't remember his name is really, really Patrick O'Connor. Thank you very yes, much, Pat O'Connor. Yep, yep. He's one of those guys. Like yep. I, I, since I've been covering the team, I go in the locker room, and he's he, practice squad guy, dead busting his butt, doing his workouts, doing his extra things, and and you know what, 2020, 2021. Getting his reps, getting playing time <laughs> in the NFL. So you just never know. And Grayson, when it comes to the wide receivers that I speak of, is certainly one of those guys. So starting camp this year, you're going to have wide receivers that are not going to be any of the guys I mentioned that are not top six guys that are going to be looking to make a difference. And it's guys like Grayson that have shown you that you can do it and you can make it on an NFL roster and end up playing quality minutes and catching passes from arguably the greatest quarterback of all time. Now let's move over to the defensive side of the ball because just like on the offensive side of the ball, there are some starters gone from this football team, at least three starters in Indomitian Sue, Jason Pierre-Paul, and Jordan Whitehead are all no longer with this football team. I think in the case of Ndamukong Sue, when they made the signing of Akeem Hicks, I think we slotted him in that as long as he can stay healthy, he's probably the, the starting guy there. Joe Tryon Shoyinka, who they drafted probably as an eventual replacement to Jason Pierre-Paul. I think he's going to be uh, the starting outside linebacker opposite uh, Shaq Barrett this season. Now, in terms of filling in that safety position, for Jordan Whitehead, I think it is a little bit interesting when the Bucks made some signings in the secondary. They signed Keanu Neal, who is more than likely going to be the guy behind Antoine Winfield, but Logan Ryan, and is he automatically going to be that starting guy? He's a veteran presence in, in this locker room, former New York Giant. Is he is he the starter, or is it going to be a position battle with a guy who's been here for, for a while and Mike Edwards, who's had his ups and downs with this football team? No, I think it's going to be a position battle. But here's the thing, though, too. One of the most important things when it comes to being a guy that's going to play a lot in any secondary is your versatility. The ability to play different places on the defense. And Todd Bowles' defense requires you to be flexible from that standpoint, even as a safety, because as a safety in this defense, yeah, you know, big fan Jordan Whitehead, guy that played downhill, but Jordan Whitehead wasn't exactly a guy that's going to play guy that's going to play in a slot, okay? These guys, whether it be Edwards, whether it be Neil, or whether it be Ryan, are going to play guys that are in the slot. That, that allows you, okay, when I say you, I mean the safety, to stay on the football field. The guy that can do the most from a versatility standpoint is the guy that's going to win this job. I'd lean towards Edwards because he's been in this defense the last couple of years, and he's ball-hawking skills. You've already yeah. seen it, right? You've already seen it. That's what you, that's what you want. He was one of the stars of camp as a rookie. Came in automatically and showed and showed flashes. But he, and, and he's done it. He's done it in, in regular season games too. So 
you want you want that. I lean towards him, but eventually it's probably going to be Logan Ryan because of his experience. But either way, when when you sit down at the end of 2022, no matter where this team ends up, you start taking percentages of who had the most snaps when it comes to the safeties. I don't think it'll be a big disparity. I think a lot of these, when you start playing, when you start playing nickel, when you start playing dime, those guys are going to be out there. You may see both those. You may see, you ask me who's going to win the competition. You might see Ryan and Edwards playing in the defense together out there. Not to mention the fact that think about how banged up this secondary was last year. All right. That again is the key because as banged up as the secondary was last year with Murphy Bunting missing time, with Dean missing time, with guys like D. Delaney getting playing time, all right? You need that flexibility when it comes to a guy that's going to be in the secondary. That includes the safeties. Think about it. If you got a safety that can play some corner. Which I believe Rowan, Ryan has in the past a little bit. He has. That, that in itself kind of offsets losing a guy because of injury. That's key. Yeah, it's definitely going to be interesting to see how the secondary plays out. Both of us agreed that Whitehead was a big loss, but in the Bucks bringing in multiple guys, I think it has shored up the depth of the secondary at the safe at the safety position. Uh, you can still talk about Carlton Davis, Dean, and Bunting. Sean Murphy Bunting is basically a starter on this football team, even if you look at the depth chart and he's listed as a second string corner. He is the starting slot corner on this football team. And then you've got guys who are probably better for, you know, maybe some of the mistakes that they made last year in filling in for some of those injured guys and talking about uh, a Delaney, a Ross Cockrell, those type of guys who are going to come in one, one year more experienced and got meaningful playing time. Uh, is there any other slot or storyline on the defense that that we should be looking at I think the health of the defensive line is going to be a big thing Vita Vea has had injury concerns in the past and you bring in an Akeem Hicks who his injury concerns are well documented we talked about it when the Bucks uh, made that signing uh, that's going to be something very big worth watching uh, throughout this training camp and throughout preseason I think if you're a guy like Raheem Nunez Rochez, I think you're going to be getting a lot of playing time uh, in the preseason. And a guy who uh, I even neglected to to mention, not on purpose, that the Bucks brought in as a possible backup to Vita Vey in terms of nose tackle is Deidrin Sanat, former USF Bull, played for the Atlanta Falcons as well, has had his moments as an NFL player, is going to be Vita Vey's backup along with uh, Nacho this year as well. So I think the health of the defensive line and how a guy like Sanat can slot in and maybe even a guy like, maybe Nacho can even push a, a Hicks a little bit for some playing time as well. Yeah, I don't know that, that that's the case. You, you, you don't bring Hicks in here to... Uh to not play if he's not, if, if he's healthy. I mean, he, he's got to play. <laughs> the money that you gave him, you gave him pretty much what you could have given Sue. He's got to play. All right. Because if, if he doesn't, that's a huge mistake, especially with my man still out on the street and, and he clearly wanted to come back. And we talked about it when they, when they chose Hicks, let's be honest. They chose Hicks over Sue for whatever reason they did. They chose Hicks over Sue. And because of that, He's got to play. Maybe not as doable as Sue was because, let's face it, my man's missed like two games in his whole career. And I'm talking about Indomitian Sue. But Hicks has to play here. He has to do what he hasn't been able to do 
in other places in Chicago. He has to stay on the football field because if not, then signing him was, was a problem and was a mistake. Let's face it. If he's not playing, it's a mistake, dude. It's, that's the bottom line. I mean, you can sugarcoat it any way you want. Rep, red velvet cake that crap all you want. If he's not playing, there's an issue. He's got to play. You brought him here to play. He's replacing the guy that played that was a part of your Super Bowl winning team. He's got to play. With that said, I don't think that there are huge glaring battles when it comes to the starting 11. You mentioned them in regards to the secondary is concerned. But I will bring one up. <laughs> it ain't on the defense. <laughs> it's not on the offense. I wish the camera could see me kicking right now. It's on special teams. And here's the thing about the special teams thing. And I'm talking about, you know, the fact that Jose uh, Borgales and Ryan Sucker may potentially be in a battle. Here's the thing about that potential battle. And I'm calling it a battle. Some folks will also call it a battle because. I hope it's not. That's the last thing. That uh, suck up's been so solid. I I I don't even I don't get it. That I'm I'm with you. You said you said I wasn't gonna say that, but what you said is accurate. Just like my suck up has been <laughs> accurate. Okay, what you said is accurate. I don't get it. Okay, I I, I understand you want to bring competition in. Borgalis is, is definitely gonna be competition for. He's been in this building. Yeah. Here's the thing. Okay. You're talking about a guy in Suckup that has missed eight field goals and eight extra points the last two years. The last two years. Think about prior to him getting here. Drafting kick is twice. I don't want to go through another training camp kicker yeah, battle. I mean, think about think think about all things. Drafting kick is twice, and then when they when they when they had in pre preseason, you mentioned that, and then also, you know, we're out there, you know, ninety five degrees watching kickers battle. You got a guy in suck up that has done what he's done the last two years. Yeah, I mentioned his accuracy. It brings me to, it brings me to a, a song that you could probably relate to because you're a nerdy TV TV watching guy. Let's see okay. if I know this one or if it's going to be a dated reference. No, it's not dated because because you're a nerd. You're a TV nerd. So you, you, you watch enough TV to know this song. The song in itself is dated. The song is called How Soon Is Now by the Smiths. But you know it from the TV show Charm. Right? Charmed or whatever. Just, come on. The, the girls, know, the witches... No. I know the sh- I know I know what the show is, but I never okay. watched it. So okay, well there you go. You can, Once you, again, you, you can't right you, over you, my head. You can't even help me here. But again, the song is "How Soon Is Now," and that's my question when it comes to the whole suck up battle with a guy that we don't know if we can actually handle a job in the NFL. What we do know is suck up can suck up can. And like I said, how soon is now? I'll tell you, not now. Leave Ryan Suckup alone. For anyone that's forgotten all the issues that have gone on here, I mean, people here were talking about Martin Gramatica. They throw that name out. And I'm like, that dude was like almost a decade, over a decade ago. Y'all talking about him? 
Seriously? 20 years ago almost at this point. Oh, man? I mean, don't make a story where there's no story. <laughs> Leave Ryan suck up alone. Until Ryan sucks, then <laughs> well, you got a problem. Don't make a problem. There is none. Like I said, the last two years, he's missed eight field goals combined. The last two years, he's missed eight extra points combined. Leave that dude alone. Len, I'll, qu- I'll close with this. We talked a lot about tight end today on the podcast. Rob Gronkowski's girlfriend came out in the media this past week and said she doesn't think he's done. Gronk himself came out and reiterated, I'm done. Over under one snap of football, Rob Gronkowski plays in 2022. I'm taking Rob for his word, man. He's done. He's, do- he's doing USAA commercials. He's doing other stuff. He's, on- he's out, man. He's doing subway commercials, maybe forgetting his lines, but he's still doing his own thing, dude. He's out. He's retired. He may not be. He may not be completely retired, but as he stated, as he put it, he's retired from football. He's not retired, but he's retired from football. And I'm taking his word for it. I'm with Lynn Martez. The next time we talk to you, the Bucks will have started training camp, and we will have a ton of storylines to get to. Until then, he is Len Martez. You can follow him on Twitter, at Elmar810. You can follow me on Twitter, at TD Experience. Follow Bucks Nation on Twitter, at Bucks underscore Nation. And check out BucksNation.com. Until the start of training camp, this has been Downey and Martez, a Bucks Nation podcast.